Hi, and welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have Jessica Bomanski joining us to talk about her experiences with the food industry, her work in the lumber industry, and the mental health and educational realm of things. She's had years of experience with all of these, and with her hands-on experiences, along with her first-hand accounts of what's happened in her life, she brings a lot to this episode. I know it's a little bit shorter than some of our others, but don't be mistaken. It's a wonderful show, and I think she brought a great example about what we need to acknowledge in the educational atmosphere and and the conversation we need to be having about what students need to be learning and and preparing themselves for, uh, for the real world, such as credit, finances, things like that. So join us today. And I really hope you enjoy your stay here and enjoy your time. Thanks again. Welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have Jessica Bolmanski here to introduce her side of things and her aspects to life that she's encountered. Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. So I am, as you said, Jessica Bomanski. Um, I am a mother of three. I have worked various jobs from fast food to uh, psychological um, offices, like a mental health facility. Um, I went to school for a few years that in college and got my degree in associates. And I'm just, you know, living life and trying to make sure that uh, I stay happy, live a, live a happy one. What's the best way to describe how you started your education? So the best way to describe it was when I knew I had to go to college. I mean, that's what the norm is, is, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college. And after high school, I kind of messed around a few years, which really um, wasn't the best thing for me because I didn't really start going to college until like my late 20s. And then by then, it's like, you know, I felt like that I was a failure and that I should have graduated by college by now. But I learned from um, my fellow students um, that, you know, it's part of life. You could start college anytime you really want to. You know, it's never too late. Just more people feel like that um, they should start sooner than later. So it's all on your aspect and how you wanted to improve yourself. So what really got me into the degree I have, social and behavioral science, is that my dad had um, a lot of mental issues, psychological issues. You know, he he would lie constantly, you know, to us about everything. You know, one time I remember my dad told us that he was the Pink Panther in wrestling. So I went around in elementary school and told everybody that my dad was the Pink Panther in wrestling. Little did I know, I watched wrestling with my dad, and he was never on there, but it didn't click because I was a, you know, young, naive child. So then after my dad ends up having depression as well, and I noticed that he would be very happy and then he would be really sad again, I decided um, that I wanted to do something with with mental health. Because at first I was going for like physical education, a physical therapist. And once I realized that my dad was having issues and my, my Uncle Ray, his brother, was having the same thing, I wanted to find out how the brain works and why people behave the way they did. Why was he a compulsive liar? Why was he having depression? Why was he having suicidal thoughts? So that's what initially started my interest in it. And once I figured out what degree I wanted, I went forward and just dove right into it. That's awesome. <clears throat> I think that's at least something that was good that came out of you know, an environment where it could go the opposite. You know, it's it's hard to stay motivated um, when you feel helpless. I mean, so to say, like when when you're when you lack the education that you need to get to the place you want to be, and you know that that's what you have to do. Like that's a big step. It's a huge step to take, and it sounds like you were motivated by the process of going through and seeing what's around you and, and how you can apply yourself. Like you found where you were effective. Um, and 
that's awesome. Like I'm I'm glad to hear you share that. Now, um, what's some fun facts about yourself? Well, um, I like to write parodies. So for those who don't know what a parody is, is you take a song that's already been recorded and a lot of people know of, and you put your own fun lyrics to them. So I do that a lot, just naturally. It all kind of started um, with my kids. Once I had kids, they really gave me the materials I needed to um, write some parodies. And so I just started kind of singing them around the house. And then, you know, one of my favorite artists is Weird, Weird Al Yankovic. I just loved his music and how funny it was. So that was kind of what I wanted to do just for fun. And it turned into something that I, I do for fun. I have enough to make um, an album worth of songs, but it's not something that I wanted to pursue as a career because I just wanted it to be just fun in general. So I do that. Um, and then I like to go karaoke. You know, I like to sing. Um, so it's, it was just fun for me. And the first time I went karaoke, I actually just decided, you know, Hey, it's Wednesday night. I don't work Wednesday. I'm going to go out and see. And I walked into a bar that, and it was karaoke night. And that's where I was like, this is fun. I want to do this again. So karaoke and writing music and parodies is, is the things I like to do for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, I remember, uh, because we worked together for a bit and I, uh, I remember that you were into music, and that was always something I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, what's uh What's the first few years of your work career like? So for my psychological career, when I um, finished college and I got my degree, I kind of looked around what would be for um, psychology for an associate's degree. And I ended up finding um, a job at RestPad, which is in Red Bluff. And I'm, I was a mental health technician there. And it was very interesting because it wasn't what you see in movies. And now, of course, everybody's like, well, of course, it's not what you see in movies. But you don't really know what it's like until you get in there. And it was a lot different than what I expected. I expected people to be in straitjackets. I expected people to be talking to themselves. And there was some of that, but it wasn't as much as you thought it would be. Um, so, you know, you got to know patients. Some patients were there because they just made a mistake. They just told the wrong person the wrong thing, and that got them admitted there. Some people were legit, where they were trying to hurt themselves or others. But for the most part, it wasn't anything like that you see in in movies. You know, there wasn't a bunch of crazies running around. It was normal people trying to figure out their life. And it was, um, I got to know people from all different aspects of the world. I met somebody who was very wealthy and very popular that was there. And then I met somebody who was homeless and who was hooked on drugs that was there. So everybody from all walks of life goes and gets help. Some people just don't know how to get that help. And they end up at the facility that I worked at. That makes total sense. Yeah, I um, I, I know personal people that have been uh, that side of... Uh the medical field and or have experienced it firsthand as a patient and it's you know it is a lot different than people view it societally um some people do view it as this place where there's always chaos right um, mm -hmm. and it's it's not true i mean it is essentially a part of the medical side of things like there's good aspects to it there's a lot of good aspects to it and um that it unfortunately goes under the radar to the more dramatic cases. I mean, that then that's that's media. I mean, typically media likes to go for the flair and the flashy things, and unfortunately, that has a lot of effect on the medical field. It does, yes, very much. Did you, when you first started working, um, say out of high school or, or during high school, did you ever have any <clears throat> other career goals at the time? You know, I I really did not know what I wanted. Um, the the family I grew up with is I have to kind of tell a story. My mother died when I was four, and my father had three kids under six that he was trying to raise by himself, and he didn't know how to. You know, back in my father's day, not even to sound old, but back in my father's day, the typical norm was the man worked, the woman took care of the kids. 
So when my mother died, he was lost. He had no idea what to do. So he ended up getting in a relationship. And those people ended up being actually very abusive to my brother and my sister and I. And once my dad realized that, um, you know, that was happening, he didn't know what else to do besides to call my grandmother, my mother's mother. And she um, took custody of us and she raised us. So my grandma being a homemaker, you know, all she taught me was get married, have kids, keep your house clean, keep your husband happy, you know, keep your kids safe. So that's all I knew. You know, she didn't go to college. She didn't have to back in her day. So for me, I really did not know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until my late 20s, you know, like I explained earlier, that my dad's mental health is what got me interested in it. And that's when I finally started going to college. But I wish I would have known what I wanted to do back in high school. You know, college was an idea, but it wasn't a reality for me. It wasn't until much later when I decided, you know, I'm going to go do something about it now. No, that makes total sense. And that's something I was trying to advocate for when I was um, in high school myself. I was seeing a lot of people that were struggling with um, home situations. And, it, and they just really didn't have resources from home to advocate outside of the classroom um for their education you know they were always busy helping the household and it has an effect on what people choose to do in the moment and if there was a better outlet that people could go and venture into outside of school that would expose them to an environment that's outside of their household um, and outside of the social peer stress, I feel like that would help people like you, you who were in situations that it felt like it was untangible at the time, you know? And at yeah. least it would have given you more inspiration to maybe research earlier on. Maybe you would have gone to school earlier. Um, and and that's, you know, it, it it's a lot of if and then maybe you know speculation but but it's not to argue or not to um shun the fact that a lot of people were in similar situations and are still in similar situations um where it is very hard to express um ideas and and go through and and actually uh develop things because of how much that's going on so i think it is really good for people to keep the idea fresh, keep school as an idea all the time. You know, learning learning never really has a time limit. The right. development is arguably timed, um, I guess you could say, but we're always changing ourselves. We're always changing. I, I like to think that throughout my life, I want to learn. I don't want to stop learning at a point. You know, why would I want to stop learning? I feel like that's where I, that would be a foolish mistake. So it 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 is something that everyone should hear. Like you you always have potential. It doesn't matter your age. Absolutely. And I completely agree with that. I I like to learn anything that I don't know I want to know about and I believe knowledge is power and you could say, "Hey, you know, I've learned about that." You know, and I think it's it's very important to learn and keep learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, moving forward, um, or back, so to speak, was your experience uh, with the restaurant industry a positive or a negative one? Well, I actually, I would say it was positive. You know, I, it's actually both, but I'd like to take the positive more than the negative. Um, when I was a server, um, I met all different types of people from walks of life. You know, people from all over the world. I even met famous people like George Jones. Um, I met Alan Jackson, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, the drummer of Megadeth. I mean, you know, so I got to meet all these, like, you know, famous people per se. But I got to meet people who who liked me so much that they decided that they wanted me and only me to serve them. Um, it was fun learning how people are picky about their food or how they're not. You know, what they liked and what they didn't like, you know, because I, I know what I like. I like certain things. I don't like certain things. But then there, you meet people who 
love certain things that you're like, I never thought of it that way, you know, like dipping your cornbread in your milk, you know, it's like, you don't hear about that, you know, for unless you're the one that does it or your family raised you on it. So I would say it was more of a positive thing. Um, Of course, you get at every job, you get people that you don't get along with, or you can't stand, but that's part of life right there. Doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to find somebody you don't get along with. You're going to find somebody that you can't stand, but you also got to learn how to work with them because it's your job to get along with them, not to, to fight with them. So in the end, when I look back at my serving days, restaurant industries, I would say it's more of a positive thing. I love people. I could talk to just about anybody and make friends with strangers. So I really enjoyed that part of my life. No, that's that's definitely one aspect I loved about the restaurant industry is developing <laughs> relationships one-on-ones. And, and it, 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 I mean, I can... I'm speaking from experience here. I am sure you can agree. Like it doesn't matter how much money that person has or who they are at the end of the day. Like if you want to provide good service, like you're going to treat those people with respect. If they're in your establishment, you're there to help. Like you're there to serve. And that was always my favorite aspect was, you know, you, you it's a place you you're allowed to um, have the time to connect and um, show people like true hospitality and it's it's positive you know it it really is there's i do think the restaurant industry is a positive thing to experience everyone should try you know if they're able to Uh, at least uh in the service industry like it really changes your outlook on on what it means to be part of a community because you're actively in these people's life you know that they're coming in at a maybe a vulnerable time of the day, you know, they're trying to get their coffee or, you know, they're, they're hangry. And you, sometimes you got to take that step back and, and understand that, you know, you're them. We're, everyone's the same. Like it, as different as we are, uh, we all get hungry, you know, <laughs> we all yep. have our needs. So it, you know, it, it's truly a, uh, essential part of the economy right there. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what was your experience in the lumber industry like? So when I first um, got hired there, you know, I the pay was the big motivator for me to, to go there because they paid, you know, decent amount of money. So once I started working there, it was like a whole new life. Like the smell reminded me of Home Depot because of all the lumber but the working conditions are so different than what I expected. You're in this big metal building. So when it's like 104 degrees outside, it's like 114 inside. And all you've got is these big industrial fans. There's no air conditioning in there, you know, because it's it's just a waste. It's going to go right out the big, big um, roll up doors because of the forklifts going in and out. So there was no air conditioning. And then during the winter, it was really cold. Um, You had to move fast. You had to grade wood, which is, you know, you flip wood over and you're looking for certain um, things that shouldn't be in there, like pitch or stain, depending on the order. But you had to move fast and you had to have so many units done at a certain time. I worked on the cut line, which was these huge belts that dropped wood down and to this uh, table. And I had to quickly flip the wood over, look for any bowing or anything, put it on one side if it was bad, put it on the unit if it was good. Um, That's actually where I met my fiance was at the lumber mill in Red Bluff. And so that, that I couldn't take the heat, to be honest with you. The heat was just insane. I'm used to being outside during the summer, but I always had water that I could get in when I was cool. And this, I could not get cooled off. I had headaches all the time. It was a very hardworking job. So um, I ended up looking or finding another job that had to do with my degree after I quit the uh, mental health facility. And uh, my fiance, who's actually been there for 23 years, and I'm like, "How how did you do it? And he said, well, I didn't have a choice. He said, I had a family and bills I had to pay. So it was either keep quitting and finding another job or just keep at it. And I'm like, man, I, I got to give him kudos because 23 years is a long time to go for it. That's but not I easy work. No, it is not. It is not easy work. It's freezing in the winter. It's super hot in the summer, but he made it to where, um, you know, he, he found out his ways of staying cool and making it work, you know, and 
Um, I definitely love the experience I had. I now understand, you know, where our wood comes from, how it's graded, you know, because they went all over, you know, different jobs, different aspects, different types of wood. So everything has its own um, guidelines of how to get it out and, and what to grade it as. So I've got mad respect for those people who have been there for a long time because that is very, very hard work. And I definitely appreciate anybody who works in the mill. And again, I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have been in there to experience myself. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that is a different side of society, like uh, behind closed doors in the manufacturing side. It's it's like something I grew up around in our hometown. We have a, a sawmill and they have a small lumber mill and a large lumber mill and um they basically process wood same way like very intense environment people have to be out there in winter conditions too and i yeah i it it's something that intimidates me you know not being in it myself <clears throat> only hearing about it it's like gosh who wants to work in that realistically like it's it's intense but you learn a lot i'm sure over the years and it's something that you can be proud of like because of how specialized the work is yeah for sure it's definitely for a certain type of breed of person i would say <laughs> oh my grandpa was a millwright for 50 years in um sawmills and he actually was asked from uh, all the way from L.A. to Washington all the time to come to their sawmills because he was he was so old. He knew how to do the old machinery. And uh, he was like one of the only people alive that was able to show these guys how to do cuts. Right. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, my fiance taught me a lot about the because uh, he's a finger joint operator. So he taught me you know, the way that he does it. Cause again, he's been doing it for all these years and his, I learned more from him before we even started dating. We were just coworkers at the time, but I learned more from him than I learned from anybody else, any supervisors or even my supervisor or my, um, my uh, operator that I, the machine I was on, but they were just like, hurry up and get it out, hurry up and get it out. And he actually took the time to teach me. So, and you know, so it's all, it's different for sure. When you're, um, you know, everybody's different, but he wanted to make sure that his crew and his machine ran right. So he took the time to teach us right. And I really appreciated that or of him. Yeah, it's it's a really awesome thing to be able to connect like that. And it's definitely something you can only acquire through hard work. Like it's it's motor skills to an extent. You really have to know the the grade of the wood and and if it's uh, the right shape, like it's, it is a very uh, hands-on experience to say the least. For sure. Um, that's something I wish I learned more from my grandpa. I, um, I, he passed away, unfortunately, before I was able to really go down there and work with him on the wood. But I have all of his machinery and stuff, so I'm looking forward to getting that all set up. Sounds fun. But, oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. We're I'm hoping to make music instruments down the road. Actually, um, oh cool. That's something I really want to do. But um, moving forward, how was your experience uh, with the high school education program? Personally, like when you went through um, as a student, did you enjoy it? And as part of it now, um, what do you think? Well, so me personally, when I was going through high school, um, getting out of the house I lived in, me going to high school was my social time. Even though I really didn't, you know, learn much per se, um, that was my time to be away from from the house that I lived in. I grew up in the country out in Chico, and there was like not any neighbors around. I mean, my closest house was five acres away, which a lot of people are like, oh, that's not a lot. But if you actually stand on five acres, you're going to be like, actually, it's pretty good distance away. Um, but 
I did, I feel I have my issues with the high school education system because I believe we're not teaching kids um, experiences that they deserve. You know, one thing that I wish that we would have learned that was in a class was a financial class and a child care class. I didn't know anything about like financially, you know, I didn't know anything about credit cards and how to build your credit and how to save money and how to budget. They don't teach you that in school. You know, they teach you, you know, how to figure out um, algebra expressions, you know, which some people are going to use as a career later down the road. But me personally, you know, I didn't, I didn't need that. That wasn't something I was going for. I wasn't going for some kind of mathematical job. So if I would have learned maybe financial responsibility, I, it would have been a lot different for me, I think, down the road um, financially. And my daughter, she's she's about 15 now, and I'm actually going to get her a credit card on her 15th birthday, and I'm going to teach her how to do uh, financial responsibility and show her that, hey, it's not about all just spending the money and then you're broken and then you're you're in debt and your credit goes bad. So I'm trying to teach her personally about that. But the high school, the, you know, child care should have been another thing they should have hit on. It should have been a mandatory class. You know, this is what happens with children. This is what you do with kids. Now, there is no manual on raising kids. You know, there's books out there, but there is no manual that you could follow by. Pretty much how you raise your kids is how you were taught. And unless you break that cycle, there's not going to be much um, difference experience for you unless you decide, like, you know, my grandma yelled at me my whole entire life. I don't want to yell at my kids. And that's something that I had to work for to do. School did not teach me that. So I feel like that our high school system is um, not where it should be. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the government, not trying to go into politics or anything like that. But, you know, I do believe that we are made um, we are made to stay poor. We're taught to to not be financially stable because credit card companies rely on that. They don't want us to pay off our credit card. They don't want us to have good credit. The more we owe them, the more money they're making off of the interest alone. So that's a few things that I feel should have been taught in high school that is not taught today. So that's something that I'm trying to teach my children. So when they're out on their own, they have an idea of what to do and they're not going to struggle like me and their dad did. You know, here I am 38 years old. I just got a credit card for the first time two years ago and I'm just now getting good credit, you know, and if I was taught that back in my high school days, I probably would have been just fine. But um, so I feel like that our educational system needs to be revamped. We need to relook at what we're teaching kids, what is important, what do they need to succeed. And some some teachers are trying to teach the kids this, but that has a lot to do with the kids now. You know, you're going you asked me about how high school is now. A lot of these kids um, don't pay attention to what's happening in the classroom because they think they don't need to learn that. You know, um, one teacher, his name is uh, Scott Button. He's doing a great job. He's saying, hey, you know, here's a credit card. This is what you do. Where do you get, you know, screwed on? And it's interest. And he's teaching these kids, hey, you get this, pay this off. You know, you guys can be financially stable when you save. And, you know, so he's trying to teach these kids the right way to, to do it. And, you know, kids, every kid's different. Some kids pay attention. Some kids are like, whatever, I don't need to listen to you. You're just a teacher. You don't know nothing, you know? So, and I was one of those kids like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it before, you know, no big deal, man. I wish I would have sat there and listened when they were trying to teach me. So it is all on the children and, and how they, how they want to succeed. And I think a lot of that starts at home too. You know, um, a lot of kids come from families who, um, that are, that are on welfare, you know, they don't know anything different. I was one of those kids. I didn't know anything different. You know, I was taught, you know, hey, you're struggling, get on welfare. And, you know, that's how you survive. I wasn't taught the difference between financial responsibility and, and being independent. And I wish I would have learned that. And a lot of the kids I'm telling now, like, hey, you guys, you know, this is really important. And I know what you don't like the teacher and you think what he says is BS. But the reality is, is he's actually trying to teach you a life lesson that if you listen to it and you apply it, you're going to do really well. And some kids do that. Like um, one kid from last year I'm talking to this year, 
she's like, hey, I really want to start my own um, power washing job. You know, this 19-year-old kid did it, and by the time he turned 22, he was self-sufficient. He didn't need any help. He didn't even have to go to college for it. And she actually took that information that he taught, and she's trying to apply it to her, her life today. And I think that's really important. You know, a lot of times, like, yeah, I don't want to hear what the adults have to say. They don't know nothing. Well, the funny thing is, is that we do know what we're talking about because we were that teenager that was like, yeah, 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 I don't want to listen to you. And now we're like, no, listen to us. And the kids are, we're in the kids' spot or, you know, the kids are in our spot where we were. We're all, oh, the old people don't know what they're talking about, but <laughs> it's just for something we're trying to teach them, you know? So life experience in high school is, I think, a little different, but it's it's the same too, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. I. I, I mean, even just touching back on the credit, I personally am just now starting to build mine this year. I, I'm i really behind on the curve, but also, same thing. I didn't really have a direct credit class I, or a financial class I ever remember seeing that I had access to outside of uh, high school. Like, uh-huh. I could go to college, but the thing is, with college, they lock you into 10 credits. As a high school student, I had to fight to get 11 credits um, to do it while I was in high school. And that that frustrated me. I'm like, so that's where I felt like the educational system was set up to fail um, or to slow people down Um, just enough to where they had to stretch out the education. They had to take another year to to pay the tuition or get the supplies. And, And, you know, I understand Like people, these obviously teaching faculty and and such, they they have jobs and they need, um, they need an income, obviously. But there are a lot of situations where kids just don't have the resources necessary to, to get to that step right away and they have to take loans. And so knowing credit is essential. It's very essential. So... I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I think um, there's aspects that could be improved. um, And and a lot of that is just general, generally exposing kids to more realistic ideas. Like it's okay to have dreams. It's okay to, to think big, um, but you have to think small to get to the big. And these little steps do matter. Absolutely. With the active life of the outdoors coming up, people are looking to be out and about more. Sasquatch Farms CBD brings organically grown products in the Sierra Nevadas from the soil to the people. Farmer John has worked on green projects on the farm since 2013. He looks forward to providing you with the highest quality soaps, salves, CBD tinctures, pre-rolls, along with some other fresh products. It takes a community in farming to survive, so any efforts made to support our farmers in the world helps to support our society as a whole. So remember, if you can't catch him out on the farmer's market, catch him online at sasquatchfarmscbd.com that's sasquatchfarmscbd.com thank you now back to the show moving forward do you have any requests um, when it comes to learning more education like are there aspects when you were going through for your psych- psychiatric teachings that taught you, like, hey, this is a cool program I saw people doing that they need help, and and I think this would be a good branch people could focus on if if that piques their interest? Yeah, so um, a lot of the things I I realized when I worked at the psychiatric facility was um, one thing that we were taught was to teach our um, clients 
coping skills. A lot of the times is a lot of people don't realize that there is ways to relieve your stress or, you know, your frustration. So one thing that um, we was taught is, you know, coping skills. How do you, when you're stressed out and you're at the max and you like, you're about ready to pop, what do you do? Well, a lot of people don't know how to relieve their stress that way. So then they end up essentially blowing up like a shook up soda bottle. You release the cap and it's just all over the place. So coping skills is, is something that I think that should be taught in schools. And that's what I'm teaching some of these kids. Like, you know, some of the kids do have behavioral problems. And I said, hey, you know, like, let's take a break. Let's, you know, take five minutes, you know, to look back. What do you like to do that is something that's pleasurable? And one girl's like, well, I like to listen to music. I'm like, all right, well, you know, maybe ask the teacher, hey, I really need a break. Can I listen to music for like just five minutes? One song, anything like that. For me, it was singing. That's how I got my stress relief was I'd go out to the back 40 and I would just belt it out as loud as I could, whatever I was feeling, whatever song came to my head that was feeling the way I was feeling. And afterward, I felt better. Um, another thing that I did, a coping skill, and I didn't even realize for myself that I was doing, applying a coping skill was running. If I was extremely frustrated or upset, I would run as fast and as hard as I can until I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Then I would sit on the side of the road and wait until I caught my breath and I felt better. And then I would walk back home and I would be um, relieved of the stress that I was feeling. And I think one of the things that we struggle with is to remember, hey, these teenage kids, all aspects of life, you know, some kid might come in, you know, smelling like you know, like garbage, but it's not because that he doesn't take a shower. It might, he doesn't have, you know, a bathroom to wash himself with. He might not have a laundry facility to wash his clothes, clothes with. So at the school that we have, we do have wash machine and dryers if kids really need them. But the problem is, is a lot of these kids are afraid to tell us because they're embarrassed that they need stuff. Um, one of the the things we have at our school is a clothes closet as what it's called. And there you can get a change of clothes, shoes, socks, underwear, deodorant, toothbrush, hairbrush, anything you need to keep yourself um, hy hygienated, you know, hygiene um, kept up. And we end up telling our students that just all together, like, hey, if you guys need something, let us know. And you don't have to raise your hand in front of the whole class and say, hey, I need deodorant because I stink. You can just come to us and be like, hey, you know, I'm, I really need to take a shower. Well, we do have showers that are in the gym and we'll walk you to the gym, let you take your shower, you know, and then get a change of clothes and go from there. But I think a lot of these students feel like they're they're on their own that nobody understands what they're going through and they they don't get the support they need at home so they have this in their mind that all adults are that way too well they're not going to help me you know they don't understand what I'm going through and that's why I connect with kids so well cuz I told kids hey I I understand what you've been through I've been there you know, I've, I've been that kid that got beat up at home and sent to school. I've been that kid where, you know, I was starving. I didn't have any food. And the only food I got was when I went to to school for lunch. You know, and I think that a lot of the problem is, is um, these kids don't know that there's resources out there for them. And I think that the educational system should elaborate more on that. So with my school that that I work at right now, we do tell the kids, hey, there is a support system here. You you want to talk to us? We're here. We've got counselors. We've got a um, a psychologist that's on there. We have just the teachers in general. A lot of kids come to me because they I'm approachable. You know, I get down to their level and I let them know, hey, I've been there. I've done that. You need to talk to someone? I'm your girl. You know, come talk to me. And, you know, and I don't judge them on it. You know, I've, anything that they do because nobody knows what they're going through. You know, we all struggle with our own personal demons inside, but just to have somebody there to support you and tell you, Hey, I understand I'm here. I'm not here to judge. That gives a big relief to them. And I think that the educational system should focus more on that. Not just I'm a mandate reporter. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that. It's like, well, let them know, talk to them about it. Ask them how they're feeling. Ask them what do they think they can do? And if they don't know, give them some 
skills that they can use for later in life. One kid um, last year, he graduated, but his coping skill was rapping. He rapped about his life and he he did so well with that because at the beginning of the year, he was very violent. He didn't like something we had to say. He was going to throw hands at us. You know, he was going to box us up. And let me tell you, I said, hey, well, do you like rapping? Do you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then start rapping. Throw your feelings into your song. And then at the end of the year, halfway through the year, that kid stopped being violent with us. And he's like, dude, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to step outside. I got to go rap real quick. Hey, do your thing, man. And then that helped him tremendously. And I think that support from adults is very important for these high school kids. Absolutely. I some of my best experiences were from my mentors in high school. Um, like Sue Weber was one that helped me a lot personally. She helped me get into the restaurant industry, actually. She saw that I enjoyed talking to people, but I was still really pent up. And that's been something I've always struggled with is uh, my social anxiety. Like, and And I actually cope through singing i love to sing uh like i'll drive and sing all the time but uh when it comes to being with people in a car (laughs) i can't (laughs) like i'm shy like and i've always been that way and and it's something i i just acknowledge and and i realize my personality type is very deep like it's not it's it's complicated to understand where my emotion comes from but i do my best to separate from um, my work stress and my life stress and, and that's something I'm learning as I get older <clears throat> to do more um, before it's it's like you know oh I'll vent oh I'm frustrated we're all frustrated we're all broke you know and and when you get broke people together they do broke people things and drink and you know like it, it, habits that, that form that aren't necessarily positive because you're not necessarily in a state of mind where you feel like you're winning. Um, mm-hmm. You feel like you're, you're dragging. And um, a lot of people I tried to implore uh, or I tried to motivate towards philosophy and different outlets like that uh, for the mind where you're not just occupying yourself with negative thoughts all the time. You're actually challenging those negative thoughts with something positive. And as frustrating as it is, it, it helps. You have to have a, a balance. If you're mad all the time, you, you have to realize what you want. What do you what do you mad over? What what, what do you want from this madness? Um, or is it just madness? And, and a lot of people have a tough time separating that. And and it has to do with environment. It has to do with um, depression. Like there's a lot of things that obviously like you you understand with your field that it's not something that's black and white and when you have a platform like school people should feel okay with communicating their needs because the at the end of the day it's your job to make sure they're in the best state to learn and you don't want them to be in a state where they feel uncomfortable. Right. So I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing with the teaching them um, the credit and like, you know, motivating them to, to have positive outlets. It's, it's very, very important. Absolutely. Now, what's your main focus when it, comes to being balanced in um, your field of study like are there aspects that is that are there times where it's hard to separate yourself from what you do yeah um you know again we're only human but there's times where there's students that are um going through some stuff and i i can't be not engaged, but there's certain things where I have to take a step back and let them make that choice. Um, I, without giving anything confidentially out, away, there's sometimes where um, certain students will say certain things or do certain things. And if I 
step in and get involved, I can be considered guilty or accused of something that I didn't exactly do. Um, you know, when a, when a student talks about, you know, sexual intercourse, I have to be like, hey, you know, this is not an appropriate topic. We can't be talking about this. But then if they give details, you know, if they say that they had, if they got raped or something, I would have to mandate report that. And then sometimes students are like, I trusted you, you told them. And it's like, you know, I also have to tell students, hey, you got to remember, I'm a mandated reporter. I want to be there for you. I want you be to be able to tell me your secrets. But if it's something that I have to report, I have to. I can lose my job if I don't, you know. Um, and I had the student get really upset at me because last year I had to report something that she told me. And she was really upset at me, but I was able to talk to her and say, look, I had to. It was part of my job. I, you know, I know that you trust me and I want you to trust me, but I had to do my job and protect myself as well, as well as you. And I had to report this. And then I think she finally realized, OK, you know, like, you know, she's not wrong. She wasn't doing it just to, to gossip. She was doing it to help me. And that's kind of where I do struggle because, you know, I have such a good rapport with these kids. They want to be able to tell me about the party that they had this weekend. They want to tell me about their relationships. And I've got to remind them, hey, you guys, you know, I know I'm your friend, but I'm also a teacher. I have to report certain things. So you do need to be careful what you tell me if you don't want me to know. And then I tell these kids, we have counselors you can talk to. We have the um, the therapist that's on hand that you can talk to. And if you really want to get this stuff out, go talk to them. It's their job. That's what they went to school for. So I kind of have to guide them that way. But some of these kids, like I just, you know, I just I want to take them into my home and and I want to save them. But I know that I can't, if that makes any sense. I can't save them from the life they are. All I could do is say, hey, you know. This is what you can do to help yourself, you know, like the coping skills. It goes all back to the coping skills. You're coming from a family that fights and screams and yells and you don't want to be a part of it. It's to take your time out, walk out the door, go for a walk for about an hour, come back. Hopefully by the time you come back, everything in your house has settled down. You know, that's yeah. all we really do is, is give them coping skills. Because as much as I want to rescue them, let me tell you, I'd probably have 50 kids living with me right now if I could, you know. I want to rescue them from where they're at, but I also have to stay in the guidelines of what a teacher has to do. Yeah, understandably. And that's, that's not easy. It's, that's to say the least. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I know I've talked to people in the past, um, in the same position, uh, you're working in and they, yeah, they, they all understand like it's it's important uh for kids to understand the coping mechanisms like the coping skills and and that's something i've come to try to work on is more meditation and self practice yep <laughs> takes a lot because we're only human in the end too you know we're adults but yeah. we're only too we're gonna make those mistakes you know we're gonna do things and say things we didn't mean to do or say you know but it's that's what a lot of people got to realize too you know we are our own human we are humans yeah, yeah i remember <clears throat> how hard like it was for teachers to be around some of the high school students i was with and you know they would just always give them a hard time and it, it's just it was hard to watch sometimes because I, I, I tried to never be that way with teachers. Um, I never tried to disrespect them when they were at least teaching. And a lot of people don't have that same regard of restraint. And yeah. it's it's tough. That as everyone, everyone in a school is under some sort of tension. <laughs> Where, yeah. you know, you're all trying to understand who you are. And, and how to help best. Or how to apply yourself best, and it's it's a tricky tricky moment of time, tricky uh, period of growth. But uh, I I definitely commend you for helping those students. That's that's something we we all really appreciate 
as a society. I I think good teachers are they should be tr- appreciated. I agree. It's hard work, that's for sure. No kidding. Um on on a similar note, would you have any suggestions for fellow workers in the medical industry? Well, um, one thing I would suggest is don't take anything to heart, um, especially if you work in like a mental health facility. Um, some kids, you know, or some people, not even just kids, because there's youth and adults that go into those. But they, they'll say things to you that that really just gets to you. But you got to remember, they're going through their own turmoil. They're going through their own um, psychological fight. And anything that they say to you, they're trying to hurt you because in their mind, they don't know how to express themselves without um, hurting someone else. You know, I had someone call me a fat cow and say I was annoying. And it's like, hey, you know, that's okay because, you know, somebody loves this fat cow and somebody loves my annoyingness. So that's all right. You know, it's okay if you don't like me. And that's what we just got to remember is don't take anything to heart. Everybody has their own demons that they're fighting and, and, um, they may say things that hurt your feelings, but in the end, you don't have to go home with them. They're not somebody that you live with, you know. So just remember that they're they're fighting they're fighting their own demons, and and it's okay to to go home and take a breather and you know say, hey, this sucks. This is what I went through today, but they're they're dealing with something that you don't know about. You know, you may think you know, but you don't. So just don't take anything to heart that you see or hear. No, that's a that's a very good suggestion to provide i i'd agree that's um that's something that people do i mean bullying is a very common case and it's uh typically an outlet of emotional stress Mm -hmm. are there any lifestyle tips you may have for others working through either the educational or the hands-on aspect to it Well, lifestyle tips. So, um, you know, separate work from home for sure. Don't bring your troubles from home to work. Don't bring your troubles from work to home. Um, Being an educator too, also like you have to have a certain standard. Um, You know, like it's hard to, to sometimes hold your composure especially like I'm a hothead when it comes to driving and I want to flip the other drivers off and cuss at them. But I got still got to remember too, that my students might be the ones driving next to me. They might be the ones that cut me off. So you got to kind of separate your home and your work life um, at a time. But also remember too, that if you're in the educational field, you're being watched outside of work too. It's not just what you do at work. I mean, anything that I put on my social media, I've got to be careful for because if my boss sees it and says, hey, you know, this isn't appropriate, I could get fired for it potentially, you know, and and a lot of people are like, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a line that's drawn there. And a lot of people are like, well, it's your personal life that shouldn't matter. But I'm like, well, yeah, too. But you're also an educator as well. And these students see you outside of school. So you also got to hold your composure as well. So my social media, unless you're my personal friend, you're not going to see some of the stuff that I put on there. Like I don't put my political views publicly. It's only for like my friends. You know, I'm not going to put a party that I went to on my social media. You know, so you definitely got to learn to separate it and keep it private. Um, one thing that I would give a suggestion for is don't don't friend your coworkers on your social media. And the reason why is, is because even though they may be your friend at work, they can also go and tell your boss about stuff that you have on there and then get you fired. Um, you know, a lot of people will smile in your face, but then as soon as you turn around, they'll stab you in the back. And so I don't actually have any personal friends at my jobs. I get along with my coworkers. I talk to them. I have lunch with them. But my social media accounts is completely private for those people who are my personal friends, not for my coworkers. And that's where I celebrate or um, I separate my educational life, my work life from my home life. 
Yeah, it's an important aspect, especially in today's society with everyone has eyes, you know. Everyone has access equally to the internet. So taking steps to be respectful of that and even other people, um, <clears throat> you know, that you if you're if you have the name of a company on your back and you're partying on the weekends and getting blacked out drunk <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's a uh, it, it's not a good look when it comes to uh your employers seeing that so and you know some people don't understand that it's it's important it's a really important thing to keep in mind absolutely so well said um what keeps you motivated and engaged with the work you do on a regular basis well i get along with the kids really well so what really keeps me motivated is um having a good rapport with those kids and you don't have to be one of those people that tell the kids the secrets or do something you're not supposed to that'll get you fired. You could be one of those kids that it's like, hey, look, I understand. I was in high school too. I don't want I didn't want to be here either. But unfortunately, we're here. So let's make the most of it and get this done. You want the time to go fast? Well, do some work and it'll go fast. Not only that with my students, I also am one of those teachers that I have candy and gum um for the kids too and a lot of kids know i have it and they're like hey can i have some gum and it's like well did you do your your paperwork today no okay well show it to me when it's done and i'll give you that and you'd be surprised most of the time those kids are like they'll rush to get it done hey i got it done just for a piece of gum you know and and that's what motivates me i have such a good rapport with these kids that i have a lot of personal handshakes that i do with these kids i walk through the hallway and it's like it's hey miss jessica hey oh my gosh we love you we miss you and i'm like i love you guys too get to class don't be late you know (laughs) so um yeah and i just enjoy these kids because you know i get on the personal level with them and and i relate to them and you know and just say hey you know you guys may think i'm old but trust me i was 15 18 years ago that wasn't that long ago you know i know what you guys are going through and a lot of them laugh about it because you know I've been there. I've done that. And I share some of the stuff that I did. Hey, I ditched school before too. I was like that. But man, let me tell you, it's a lot different in my day than it is yours. And they get a thrill out of out of um, being able to relate to them, you know? Yeah, it's important to have those connections. I, 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 had a, I appreciated those when I was in uh, their shoes. Like, I, uh, I know some students uh, in uh, another high school uh, in the area that I talked to a lot that there was a teacher there, Hike, that they absolutely loved. Um, and I, I had a connection with him out, outside of high school. Um, I was actually helping uh, move his house and um, he gave me a whole bunch of tools and, you know, was really, really receptive and kind. And, you know, I, I just was like, wow, this is no wonder you were an educator. Like, um, no wonder people appreciated you because like you're you're motivated you're motivated out of kindness you know and and that that really means a lot to people like me that see that kind of stuff and value that kind of stuff and it just makes me want to push to be that way you know to to be a force for good absolutely so i i I commend you for doing that i i think that's wonderful work um and and you know honestly is there anything that you would recommend any books podcasts or forms of media to our viewers um that maybe goes in line with some of the younger viewers too um to help them through household stress or um just getting ready for career yes yeah, so for the younger people i would highly suggest um mindsets it's by Carol S. Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. She actually taught me how I learned, and I know that sounds weird. I learned how I learned through reading just an article from her. And her book actually relates to getting along with people you work with that you don't get along with. Um, your learning aspect and how you learn 
um, it's all about mindsets, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, if you could do it, then you can do it. Read her article because she teaches you ways to learn how to deal with all that. So, you know, you don't even have to be young to read this book either. Um, I learned a lot from her and she literally just her article alone changed my whole academic life. I went from struggling, having C's, B's, maybe an occasional A in high school to where when I was in college, I had a family, a full-time job, and I went to school, but I pulled off straight A's in college. College was a lot harder than high school. Just by reading her article alone taught me a lot about, about that. And then for the adults, if you're struggling with um, having teenagers, even younger kids, you know, with their misbehaving, a book that I read that helped me out a lot, especially with my 24-year-old son now, when he was younger, I read a book called Positive De Discipline by Jane Nelson. And she actually touches on, um, you know, the positive discipline things with the kids. And, you know, a lot of people are like, um, you know, you're grounded, give me your phone and, and just lecture, 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 lecture. Your kids aren't going to listen. They stopped listening about five seconds ago. You know, so what you could do is, for an example, she said that, um, you know, one of the kids that she had kept forgetting her her shoes. You know, she then she'd have to go back home and grab her kids' shoes, take them back to the school. So she finally was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You got your sandals. That's what you're going to have to do. Um, it's raining. My feet are cold. Well, you're going to have to learn. It's called consequences for your actions. You're not going to remember your shoes. It looks like to me you're going to have to be wearing sandals when it's raining and cold. Guess what that kid did? That kid remembered their shoes from now on. You know, things like that. Um, So I would definitely read those two books. I mean, the mindsets could be for young kids and adults. And then the discipline, uh, positive discipline for adults that are struggling with kids that are misbehaving. And I can attest, I could testify that book helped me with my oldest son when he was eight. He would get in a lot of trouble at school. I started applying what she taught in that book. And he like, he came to me like a magnet. I mean, that kid wanted to spend time with me. He responded to me better. I could get him to do his work um, in school when nobody else could. And even his teachers were like, what did you do? His attitude is so different. And it was all because I read those books. No, those are wonderful recommendations. That's really cool, though. I'll have to check those out, too. For sure. <laughs> no, I, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And is there um is there anything you'd like to say to the audience? Any closing statements? Um, yeah, you know, just remember you're only human and you're gonna make mistakes and it's okay to apologize. Don't use apology as a crutch, but when you do feel remorse for what you've done, you know, it takes a lot to say, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't have talked to you like that. Um, it takes a lot to apologize. And even if that person doesn't forgive you, at least you know in your heart that you sincerely apologize and you corrected your mistakes. And just remember, you're only human. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things you didn't mean to. You're going to do things you didn't mean to do. But just remember that it, it's okay to apologize and it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to learn. And, and we're only human and one step at a time, one day at a time. Absolutely. Well said, truly well said. And I think that it's important to remember that building blocks are natural to have. Like it's it's okay to try different types of jobs and types of things and talk to different people in a community. You know, you might learn more from the washing machine repair guy than you'd, you'd ever guess in a lifetime you would. But, you know, <laughs> you, you never know until you try to talk to people and and go out of your comfort zone. So uh, I really appreciate you being here, Jessica. And, and it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, this is a lot of fun to do. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, thanks for coming. And, and I think uh, our younger viewers, uh, the viewers that are in high school and, and college still going through the steps and the motions are going to really appreciate this kind of knowledge. I uh, I know that I I appreciate this um, hearing it as someone who went through and is uh, needing to go through some more. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
always always a struggle but you know it's an adventure all the same but i appreciate you guys showing and and being here and listening to us talk and i hope you join us for the next episode of the world networking podcast thank you very much i really appreciate you guys stopping by to hear our episode today it's been a wonderful time recording this with jessica and i really think that we covered a lot even though it was shorter i'm sorry for the delay in the time between our last episode and today i have been busy with some emergencies and in the family and had to delay some things for a few weeks we're back on track and we're actually working on developing a second podcast right now we'll be announcing that podcast really soon down the road uh, within a week's time and i'll be releasing some information through this show and through our discord as well if you're following through there thanks again for stopping by and i really want to shout out jessica for taking the time to inform us on what it's like and her experiences through these different things it's always a pleasure getting to know people through the show and having the time to discuss an open platform is really something i've grown to enjoy so i appreciate you guys tuning in and until next time this is has been the world networking podcast signing out <laughs>